Giants officially know their playoff opponent, and it will be the Minnesota Vikings. The Giants today lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, but they rested their starters, which is the right move by Brian Dable, and they actually hung in there. This looked like a game that they might get blown out in, and... Well, it never got that close to really feeling like the Giants could win this game. It kind of got a little bit interesting at times late. Kenny Galladay will not go touchdownless as a New York Giant. As he, you know, it has actually a very nice touchdown as well. So that, that was a pretty funny moment from Davis Webb. So Davis Webb makes his first NFL start and, you know, scores a, a nice rushing touchdown. So, like, the the... the the feeling is pretty good. And the Eagles, they needed this game. The Eagles needed this game for the number one seed, which they got by winning. But the Giants, like I said, they really, I mean, the Giants had like, we're talking about like third string guy. I mean, the Giants really, and it was a great decision by Brian Dable. I look at the Chargers, Staley for some reason for, I don't know why, they were locked into the five spot in the AFC, and he's deciding to keep his start his players and keep them in against the Broncos today in a meaningless situation. And it sounds like Mike Williams and Joey Bosa got hurt. Like, what are you thinking about there? So I like the fact that they did the right thing. Daniel Jones was dressed as the third quarterback. They didn't even play Tyrod Taylor, just in case, you know, if Tyrod Taylor got hurt, you know, like let's say Jones gets hurt in the, in the Viking game, you know, now you have Tyrod Taylor fully healthy and available. So, you know, Saquon Barkley inactive, Dexter Lawrence inactive, Aziz Ojolari and Leonard Williams were hurt and inactive, so on and so forth. Like, this was a game where it was really, really limited to the reserves. And But but again, like, I feel like they actually came out of there probably feeling pretty good. And so now, and we'll talk about the Eagle game, not as much as I think we would a normal game. We'll, we'll skim through it. There were some interesting things. But... Look, Giants at the Vikings. This is a winnable game. I, I I almost feel too good about it. I think Giant fans probably feel a little too good about it. And even just the general public, like a lot, I am going to suspect a lot of people are going to pick the Giants. They're three-point underdogs at Minnesota. They almost won a few weeks ago. Like, And I think they know that they can do it. And now this time around, you'll have a Dory Jackson. In all likelihood, he did not play again. But I feel... Let's say 85 to 90% sure or Adore will be healthy and in there. But that's a tough matchup against Justin Jefferson not having played in weeks. Really, I guess at this point, almost months. Uh, maybe less than two months. But Jackson will be back. Xavier McKinney will be back. And maybe that will limit some of the TJ. I mean, TJ Hawkinson played really well. So maybe McKinney can kind of stop that. But he'll help as well. So that's great in and of itself. And the Giants, it'll be a Sunday 4.30-ish kickoff. And it'll, all eyes will be on the Giants. It'll be it'll be very exciting. And, you know, Kirk Cousins, unfortunately, for, for anti-Kirk Cousins reasons, it won't be a night game and specifically Monday night. It won't be that. But still, uh, like Daniel Jones' first playoffs, Saquon Barkley, I mean, for most players on this team, there's uh, that's the norm. This this has not been a team that's made the playoffs since 2016. And so it'll be a learning experience, but one in which I, I think it's winnable. I really do. Like, you go into this not just happy to be there. You you go into this really hoping that you can win uh, against the Vikings. You know, if it was versus the Niners, that's a different story. I, I, I don't think, well, and look, they have a rookie quarterback as well, but I think this is the game that I wanted. And that does get dangerous. 
you know, sometimes, you, you know, be careful what you wish for. I, I wished for a Giants-Vikings rematch. And that's what we're getting. And I, I, I'm usually more of the fan that would be lean more on the pessimistic side, naturally, when it comes to my teams than optimistic. But it scares me. I really think that the Giants can win this game. I really do. And just for the sake of seeing the full picture, and again, take it one game at a time. But as it more relates to this Eagle game, if the Giants beat the Vikings, most likely they will be going back to Philadelphia, which is interesting because again, I think that they can take something from this game. Where I mean, the one game I went to this year was that home game versus the Eagles. That was ugly. That was like the Giants' worst win. But today, with a team that was unrecognizable to most, they really, you know, and maybe the Eagles took their foot off the gas. Yeah, we can, maybe we can agree to that. Like, sure. I don't think it's like outlandish. But they kept they the Giants kept it close enough to the point where the Eagles had to keep their starters in the entire game. That's a really good job. I think the Eagles had thought, all right, we'll kind of just crush them. We'll take our guys out maybe in the third quarter, fourth quarter. It never happened. So for the Giants, though, if they beat Minnesota, they will be headed to Philly in all likelihood. But if Seattle knocks off the Niners, the Giants will face the winner of Bucks Cowboys. So the Giants, it is impossible for them to face San Francisco in round two. It would either be the Eagles. Bucks or Cowboys, most likely it being the Eagles. That's just, you know, the Niners are a 10-point favorite versus the Seahawks. You never know. Crazy things have happened. It's a divisional matchup. But, and I think if you're a Giant fan, you have to feel like that's possible. So it's a situation, long story short, where in an NFC that is questionable, and I think it is, and I, look, the Eagles, they did, a, they did a really good job this year. Just because they slipped up the last couple of weeks, it doesn't take away. They had a really tremendous season. Very impressive. So I don't love our chances versus Eagles. All I'm saying is that I think it, it could be possible. And again, I would not have thought that a few weeks ago. No way. No way in, no way in hell. But things are trending up. It's a healthy team right now. But let's talk about this game. Like I said, a lot of reserves. A lot of reserves. Some that weren't active, most that weren't that didn't play at all. Like Kayvon Thibodeau didn't play at all. Jihad Ward, I don't think he played at all. It was, you know, starter-wise, like the starters that we kind of know that were in there. You know, Micah McFadden, Nick McLeod, fringy starters. They played a lot. Landon Collins was in there a good amount. Gerard Davis made his giant debut and looked pretty good. He should be in that mix. I know Jalen Smith will be the one that kind of gets the nod, but uh, Davis looked pretty good, uh, honestly. I I think that he is someone that the Giants should really consider playing versus the Vikings, and I think that maybe he will. I think he might have, you know, shown himself. But for the Giants today, like I said, really, it was – this is where the coaching, you know, and and Wink Martindale – and then even Mike Kafka on the offensive side, because the offense was not good at all early, but Gary Brightwell looked all right in some of the runs, and Davis who had you know, no turnovers and was able to move the ball late. So for this game, and, and we're going to just kind of roll through it a lot more quickly than we would for, you know, the regular games, if you will. But, you know, looking at the individual statistics, you know, Lawrence Cager, eight catches for 69 yards. Cager is someone that, to me, I liked when he was getting a chance. Now, when Bellinger was out, Cager was getting more of an opportunity. This is a guy that can make plays. I'm. I don't think he's a great 
blocker as a tight end. I think he actually might have even been a receiver at one point and transitioned over to tight end. But Cager is someone who looked pretty good. He had eight catches for 69 yards. And maybe Davis Webb is, you know, the, the he was kind of the security, you know, he was dependent on the tight end. That's possible. And maybe that wouldn't be as much the case with Daniel Jones. But I think Cager is someone that should be in there on certain, you know, certain snaps. Obviously, Bellinger's tight end one. Nick Vanette is kind of your, I guess, prototypical tight end two. Although there's Chris Myrick, who's kind of more, I guess, in that fullback like mold. So Cager kind of gets lost in the shuffle for sure. But it was a lot of Marcus Johnston and Kenny Galladay. Darius Slayton was on the field for a couple of plays. It wasn't often, but he, he actually was for a few. But it was, yeah, Johnston and Galladay. And Gary Brightwell was really more of the guy, you know, Brita had a lot of receptions, didn't do much with him. Like it was really, Brita didn't do much, but Gary Brightwell had, had a couple, he looked good, honestly. So Brightwell is someone who, you know, was part of, you know, it, well, he wasn't drafted by this regime. He made the team and he's kind of stuck around as a kick returner. It's been, Brightwell has kind of surprised me that he's still around and performing. So, uh, and I, I just want to go through like the players just to get a, a look at this. Yeah, Rodarius Williams, who kind of got burnt early by AJ Brown, was in there a good bunch. And I'm looking at you know Jared Davis, ten tackles and a half sack as well. And Nick McLeod, who it was emotional for him. Nick McLeod, a former teammate of Demar Hamlin, who you know what a story. It, it, it turns now into what was a scary, scary scene. It's very positive what he's done and you know he collapsed during the Monday night football game against the Bengals and you know didn't look very good. I'd never seen anything like that before on a football field and really at a sporting event. But luckily he's you know still a, a long ways to go. But you could tell Nick McLeod was definitely, you know, feeling that and you know he looked at that's the fact he he's a very McLeod was a good pickup. Some of these pickups from the Bills have really been successful. Isaiah Hodgins, McLeod while I don't love him as a starter on the defensive side, he's very versatile. You can really use him in a lot of different spots. And so, yeah, but you know, the, the, the giants really depth players. I liked how they kind of held the Eagles out of the end zone, except for one fucking time. And of course it was Boston Scott, Boston Scott. is such a giant killer. It's insane. I believe what's the stat now? 18 career touchdowns, 10 versus the Giants. That's nuts. And like, even beyond the touchdowns, he looks good. Like today, Miles Sanders was actually bottled up after Sanders destroyed the Giants last time. Sanders 11 for 33. Boston Scott, 9 for 54. It really is out of control how much he does against the Giants. It's like uncanny. He is a giant killer. But going through a drive by drive, Giants get the ball first, go three and out. The Eagles, like I said, they get that big play to A.J. Brown. First play, 35 yards. And I thought it was against Rodarius. Well, I, th I think it was, although it says that Cordell Flock got the tackle. Either way, the Eagles get off on the right foot, and it leads to, and again, this is where the Giants did a good, even with the personnel, they held the Eagles to a lot of field goals. Jake Elliott converts on a 32-yard field goal. The Giants go three and out again. And then the Eagles put up their one touchdown drive, 12 plays, 80 yards. And let's see, what were the big plays here? This was the one, A.J. Brown against Redarius Williams. Third and nine at the Eagle 35, and A.J. Brown with some big plays in this game. And ultimately, 
And what was kind of, what was, again, the weird thing about the Boston Scott thing was here was where Miles Sanders was getting a bunch of carries until eventually Boston Scott's second goal at the eight scores. Second goal at the eight, eight-yard rushing touchdown for, for Boston Scott makes it 10 nothing Eagles. Now, here is where some interesting decisions by the Giants in terms of trying some trickery. And to me, it didn't really make that much sense in a game like this, where they were putting Jamie Gillen and Graham Gano in harm's way. Like, look, as much as you have your backups in most positions, not for kicker and punter, Graham Gano is your starting kicker, Jamie Gillen is your starting punter. Like, and now you're going to have them try to, you know, have some athleticism and put them in harm's way. And so, and they were unsuccessful. That's the crazy thing too. The Giants lost by six and there was a fake field goal kick that didn't work that you probably would have gotten three points on and an onside kick unsuccessful that I think led to a quick three points for Philly. So kind of amazing. I mean, yeah, it's really incredible that this game really ended up becoming close, but the Giants on a 47 yard field goal opportunity you know, they go for that fake kick uh, and Jamie Gillen kind of spins out. I think he was maybe looking for Nick Van Nett and the Eagles had it covered up and it didn't work. So we go to the second quarter and in the second quarter, Giants defense does a good job. They force a punt, but then the Giants go three and out again. Again, they're doing nothing. Davis Webb, like nothing is going on here. And the, let's see, the, um, the Eagles start out with pretty good field position. The Eagles start out on the giant 39. And that was thanks to really a Landon Collins holding penalty on the punt. So that was part of it, but the Eagles don't really even do anything on here, but Jake Elliott converts a 52 yard field goal. So that was a kind of a gifted three. Can't really blame the defense there. Uh, that was just good field position. Then the giants 10 play 16 yard drive. And I guess that was because there was a third down conversion after a neutral zone infraction penalty, there, oh, you know, a part of it is because I think there might have been a sack somewhere there. There was intentional grounding. They ended up moving back a bunch. But, yeah, that's just ugly. Evan Neal, coming to mind, Evan Neal, you know, there's growing pains there. I, I wasn't really overly impressed by what I saw Evan Neal in the first half. He was in there and then was taken out. You know, a guy that impressed me is Ben Bredesen. Ben Bredesen, when he's in there, he does a really nice job. And, like, I would, I want him in there a lot and it's too bad that like he, he's an inside he's more of an interior guy but i really want bredesen to play because I, i'm impressed by what i see from him but the giants end up punting and the eagles have a pretty nice drive they go 59 yards it starts at their own 20 and we go to the two-minute warning and the eagles end up with a 39 yard field goal now there's not a whole lot to say this is where nick mcleod got a sack so it's 16 nothing and that would be your score going into the second half Oh, okay, so I was wrong in terms of the Eagles did not get three points. This is where there was an interception. This is where the game kind of turned a little bit, where the Eagles, they were on their way to a 23-0 lead, like truly. So it was the failed onside kick, and eventually it looked like the Eagles got a touchdown. Hurts to Devontae Smith for two yards uh, on a third and goal, but touchdown was nullified due to ineligible uh, man downfield. So... On a third and goal at the seven, Hurts, for some reason, is an ill-advised interception, and it's intercepted by Dane Belton. So Belton's second interception of his rookie year, and so it stays 16-0. But the Giants' offense still is not doing anything. There's another punt. And then the Eagles get a field goal. 
The Eagles get a field goal, a 54-yard field goal by Elliott. So give Jake Elliott some credit as well. Another giant killer. And Jake Elliott, I watched him in other games. He's not that great, but Elliott does well against the Giants, so it's 19-0. But the Giants do get on the board. And that was thanks to, yeah, I guess no one in particular, but they do get a 24-yard field goal. They got close, but they settled for three. So it's 19-3. Then the Eagles go three and out, and we head to the fourth quarter. And the Giants, they get a touchdown drive. They do. Start out with decent field position. And the Gary Brightwell was, you know, successful on this drive. Had a nice 17-yard run. Lawrence Cager with a 12-yard catch. And eventually, on a third and eight at the Eagle 14, Davis Webb just takes it up the middle and even shrucked an Eagle defender into the end zone. So that was a great moment for Davis Webb, who was drafted – that was the Jerry – that wasn't even Gettleman. That was Jerry Reese. That was 2017 when Davis Webb was drafted. And he comes back to the Giants after being kind of bouncing around. He's with the Bills. And Davis Webb with a rushing touchdown. So good job by Davis Webb. The two-point conversion unsuccessful. And that would have been pretty big. That would have cut it to a one-score game. He tried to force it to Marcus Johnson, but it goes incomplete. And then the Eagles, with a pretty long 15-yard, 15-play, 71-yard drive, but again, the Giants hold them out of the end zone, and it's a Jake Elliott 20 yard field goal. So the game is still technically not over. It's 22 to 9, and the Giants actually score a touchdown. And there was a fourth down conversion, but on first and 10 of the 25, it's Kenny Galladay who finally gets a touchdown in probably what will be like his truly last chance. Because in the playoffs, look, like, you know, will he get some random snaps? Sure. Sure, but he won't get much. This touchdown won't change that. But it was actually a, a really nice touchdown versus former teammate from the Detroit Lions, Darius Slay. So Galladay, you know, it was like a one-handed catch, gets the feet in. It was this was it, it's uh, this is the Kenny Galladay that you were hoping for, and he finally flashed it at the very end. You know, because I'm just going to assume that his days are numbered here. Galladay gets a touchdown, and the Giants are actually down by six. And if the Giants get the onside kick with a minute and 38 left. Like, they could legitimately kind of win this game. I think it would have still been tough, but they could have. But onside kick doesn't work. So, like, it came kind of down to an onside kick. Like, I I'm kind of shocked by that. But, again, maybe I'm making too much of it. Maybe the Eagles, like, look, they kind of knew they were going to win the game. Like, if they ever really got pushed, maybe they would have done well. But I, I don't know. Like, the starter stayed in. Either way, if you're a Giant fan and a Giant player – Gotta feel pretty good about the direction of this team and how they're looking heading into the playoffs. They're they're playing pretty well. They're being coached, you know, well as they've been for the most part all year. They're healthy, and now they will go to Minnesota with a chance to avenge that really tough loss where it wasn't consequential really at all in terms of the way things planned out. This is exactly how I would have wanted it to be, playing at the Vikings, and and like I said then. It doesn't even hurt that you lost it. Just from a morale, look, both teams are going to be going hard. It's the playoffs. Like, motivation's not a question. But they know, like, all right, like, we got to, like, finish off what we didn't do last time. Let's do that now. Whereas if they won, I, I know it's it doesn't make sense. But if, I, if you told me what would I prefer, in hindsight now, the loss then. I just do. There's something to be said about trying to, you know, rectify what went wrong. And they have a chance to do so against a Viking team that has found ways to win. Don't be surprised this is another heartbreaking loss. 
don't because that's been the Vikings thing all year long. They win one score games. They are a 13 and 14 with a negative point differential. That's unheard of. I don't think you'll ever find in the history of football a team that has that good a record, the 13 win team, granted in a 17 game season with a negative point differential. That's crazy. But they win a lot of close games. It's part of their skill set. And so Dory Jackson, you hope that he can shake the rust off quickly. Justin Jefferson is going to be tough, but with McKinney, with Adoree Jackson, with what should be a healthy defensive line, hopefully Leonard Williams and Aziz Ojalari can come back healthy. And with both of them, it kind of feels like, you know, especially with Leonard Williams, where he's just been battling it, he's been hurt, and with Ojalari, but hopefully this week off can really help them. I'm excited. Giants are back in the playoffs for the first time since 2016. They haven't won a playoff game since 2011 when they won the Super Bowl. But I'm excited. Giants at the Vikings. You know, look, we're all in right now. It's like in terms – as far as this game, I think. Like if you lose – like we're going to come out of here, you know, hurting if they lose this game. In, in, the grand, in the grand scheme of it all, even if they lose, really a very successful season. This was never – the fact that we're going to play this game and actually confident that they can win, I, I would have never guessed that in a million years. So that's exciting. In and of itself, again, Giants lose to the Eagles 22 to 16. They rest their starters. They did the right thing in doing so and really didn't embarrass themselves at all. And they should be proud of that. So now, Sunday, 4 30 on Fox. They go back to Minnesota where they were a few weeks ago. And hopefully the result will be better this time. Giants at the Vikings. Playoffs. Wild card weekend.